The wealthmanagement.com Advisor Innovations Podcast is sponsored by LPL. As financial advice continues to evolve, LPL is at the forefront. Whether it's growing your RIA or building an independent practice, advisors can pick the business model, services, technology, and product mix that best meets their clients' needs. As a top wealth management firm, 100% dedicated to advisor success, LPL looks forward to learning how they can help you build your tomorrow today. For more information and show notes, visit go.lpl.com backslash advisor innovation. That's go.lpl.com backslash advisor innovation. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. This is the Advisor Innovations Podcast. I'm David Armstrong with WealthManagement.com, and today we're speaking with Kevin Lozer. Kevin is the co-founder of Holistoplan, and we'll be getting into what they do in just a minute, but first I have to thank our sponsor, LPL, for making the podcast possible. LPL, thanks very much. Kevin, we call this the Advisor Innovations Podcast because it's our hope that we get a chance to talk to folks who are doing just that, so, you know, kind of innovating in new technologies, new business models, new ways of running a practice, new services being offered to advisors, and clients. And I think Holistoplan, as I understand it, kind of cuts across a few of those buckets with a pretty simple idea. But for our audience who has not heard about you guys, just give us a quick snapshot of what Holistoplan is. Sure. So we are tax planning software that makes the tax planning, the tax return review process, along with the end-to-end, all the things we do as, as an advisor for our clients that touch taxes, far more scalable, far more efficient and really get the the advisor out of the more mundane, painful process of doing a lot of data entry and their own analysis, reading of the tax return, finding opportunities, move them out of that so that those are the types of things that software can now do really well. That allows the advisor to free up some time and and have meaningful conversations about taxes and how tax tax planning can impact the client's entire financial life more readily, more efficiently, and more scalable. Sure. So, how does it uh, work exactly? I mean, it's is you know this is it's a technology company, but is it is it more than just a document scanning? I you know I, I assume that you take a, a client's ten forty or whatever uh, tax form they're using and and scan that in and what is what what is the output then what is the what does it look like it, there are a couple outputs so you're right all the advisor needs to do is upload the pdf 1040 document doesn't matter if it's 30 pages or 200 pages a holistic plan will will find the data we want to find in order to analyze that tax return run it through a very robust planning checklist but also finds the data it, amongst the weeds of that tax return to allow the advisor to to really quickly have a client deliverable. We produce a client report that's white labeled. The advisor's logo is on it. Their disclaimer and disclosures are on it. But we are summarizing that tax return for the advisor to communicate that to the client. And we can we do that in seconds or minutes, uh, depending on the PDF document. And then the Great. second output mm-hmm. is a pre-populated scenario analysis screen where, it, again, I mentioned earlier about getting advisors out of a, a data entry process. Since we've read in all the data from the prior year tax return, we can pre-populate a scenario analysis screen that allows an advisor to very quickly now model and quantify potential planning opportunities for the future years, this year and beyond. Okay. 
and what are, I mean, I imagine, you know, every client's different. So every client recommendation would be a little bit different, but what would some of those things be maybe? Are there, are there some common tax tricks that pop up for advisors using your software? Yeah, it, it does depend on the client's tax situation for sure. For lower income taxpayers, maybe someone that is in retirement, but not not pulling as much from the portfolio. Maybe they they haven't started collecting Social Security or doing IRA distributions yet. Mm-hmm. It can be a, a lot of opportunities around accelerating income into that tax year. Maybe it's Roth conversions. And then for higher income taxpayers, maybe it's things like accelerating deductions or de- delaying income. Maybe it's you know qualified charitable distributions or donor advised funds. We, we also look at things that, that give us an idea of wh- how tax efficient the portfolio is as well. You can glean some data from the tax return in that regard too. So there, there are uh, too many to count of potential yeah. observations, but it really is based on that specific tax return and running it through what uh, used to be a, a very long tax return review checklist that that started with with Roger and me, but then really grew with beta testers and peers in the industry and all the subscribers that we now have who, who continually provide us feedback. Yeah, that's great. And it strikes me too that, uh, I mean, this has been, you, you, you've found some wide adoption in, in the industry, correct? I mean, can you give us some metrics around uh, how you want to characterize it, but something to give us a sense of, of the kind of the penetration into the advisor market that you have? Sure. Yeah. So we, we have had a lot of success. We know we, we launched in a soft launch in June of 2019, the, the last week of June. And that, that was really, you know, no marketing. That was just letting our friends in the industry because Roger and I are both advisors. We, we've mm-hmm. been advisors since 2008, him in Texas, me in Virginia. So we've known each other for a while, but we also were pretty involved in the advisor community. So we, we have we have some friends in the industry that were willing to give us a lot of good feedback uh, and be our early subscribers. So that was in late June. And then in September of 2019, we won the XYPN FinTech competition. And that really launched us. Uh, Michael Kitsis and Bill Winterberg and Robert Sophia were judges. XYPN has a, a really good following. And, and that just really got the word out that we existed. So fast forward, you know, we're about 18 months now from that. We're coming close to 2,000 firms that are subscribers. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're looking forward to that milestone here really, really soon. That's great. That's great. And, and it, it strikes me, and I say this is a, a, a simple idea. I don't mean that it's simple in execution, but the notion of, of taking sort of a tax-centric approach to planning seems so basic to me. But my gut instinct is that a lot of advisors didn't do it, or perhaps still aren't doing it. You know, the, the, the tax portion, that's sort of handed off to the, the CPA, right? The, maybe a partner or, a, you know, another firm, and the advisor maybe kind of takes a you know, glance at it, but tax-centric financial planning is not something that most advisors do, correct? That is correct. Yes. And, and you're right. It, it, it's a great way to do it <laughs> because the tax return provides so much insight into the client's financial life that you're, you're not going to get all from the investment portfolio. So the tax return really is a great window into the client's financial life, but you're right. Not a lot of advisors are taking that tax-focused approach yet. 
I, I think that's changing. I, I really do. One of the things that we presented in our 2019 XYPN FinTech competition that has changed a little bit already is the T3 tech uh, survey came out around that time and less than 8% of advisors were using any kind of tax planning software. That That's now more than doubled in, in just the year and a half. And, and we're now at, at the, the top of that, that market adoption. But it's, I, th- I think that that was part of the impetus of, of getting Holista Plan out there. And part of the story that advisors just were not using tax planning software, weren't, weren't using, weren't doing robust tax planning, partly because it, it's, to do it manually, it is a lot of work. And, and you also need to know what you're looking for in that tax return. And the tax return is such a cumbersome, ugly document with numbers everywhere. So a lot of which we don't need as, yep. as planners. So it's just, it's a lot of effort to get started doing it. And then a lot of effort to do it day in and day out without software like Holista Plan. Yeah. Well, I mean, it strikes me I've done this for a long time. You know, we go to so many conferences, advisor conferences, or, you know, webinars and a lot of stuff aimed at advisors, all about kind of squeezing a few extra basis points out of a portfolio, an investment portfolio, right? If you, you know, get the right factor tilts in there, you can maybe get a few more basis points out of the long-term performance of the portfolio, but that's nothing compared to the kind of a client outcome that can be improved with just making sure the right asset sits in the right kind of, you know, account from a tax perspective, correct? Right. Yeah, it can be asset, what you're describing as asset location, right? Putting the right investments in the IRA versus the, the after-tax account. Yep. So it, it can impact taxes. It can even impact expenses that are based on the tax return, but aren't taxes at all. And, and a, a common example that we're really helping advisors identify now is being leery of Medicare Part B and D premium, IRMA premium adjustments. Those are thresholds that you go $1 over those thresholds and your clients, if they're on Medicare B and D, they're paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars more a year in premiums. Even So even for advisors that are mostly focused on the investment portfolio, that can be a difference of selling you know, 50 shares of a stock instead of 45 shares of a stock, keeping them under one of those thresholds can mean thousands of dollars in expenses saved for a client. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's and 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 I get your point that you know it's it's a cumbersome process and really really difficult, I guess, until holistic plan to do at scale, right? I mean, if you're a, you know a small advisor with 100 clients, 150 clients, you know, how do you do that? How how, how would you manually? How would you even begin to manually do uh, tax analysis for each of those clients? It, it seems impossible. Yeah, v- very difficult to do at scale. It would take you know beginning to end. Just doing a tax return review, turning those into planning observations, then turning that into a client deliverable, then quantifying those potential opportunities with an analysis, you know, you know, and three or four different options that the client might pursue is hours, can potentially be hours of work. And, and now we can turn that into, you know, minutes potentially, you know, to an hour of work. So for each client, certainly saving an hour at, at the basic level and more than that when you, if, if it's certain client situations where you have to dig in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, tell me a little bit about how you keep up, right? Because the, the tax code is always changing. We saw this with the CARES Act. We saw it 
currently with new you know, changes now, Mexico is going to change again. How do, how, it's, it's such a dynamic number of variables that are going in there. How do you keep, how do you keep up with it? How do you make sure your inputs are, are up to date? Yeah, we've gotten some help most recently. We added Jeffrey Levine on the team as a tax planning strategist. He has helped and, and he came on at an ideal time. We we were just about to go through, we had that appropriations bill that was 5,600 pages yeah. and that had some tax implications to it. So as he's going through the code, he's letting us know what needs to change. We've, we drop everything on our product roadmap our proactive product roadmap to focus on tax legislation changes when they occur. Back in March of 2020, there was the CARES Act. We had those things that were tax related updated in about a week. Most recently, the American Rescue Plan Act, same thing. We, I think Biden signed that on like March 11th and March 17th or something like that is when we had it in our code. But it's certainly a lot of work, but we, we know that if we, having tax planning software, particularly with calculations that people are relying upon, we, it's an all hands on deck experience and we make sure we get that updated as quickly as we can. And it's, it's helpful to be a small, nimble company in that regard too. We're able to just change on a dime and, and focus on what we need to focus on really quickly and get things implemented really quickly. Right, right. And that Jeffrey Levine hire is a, is a good one. I mean, he knows his stuff when it comes to tax planning. Yeah, he, he, he's one of the best. It's, he's, he's famous for the, the tweet storms as, as new legislation comes out, which a lot of people follow. I think that one with the appropriations bill was like 89 tweets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great at what he does. And he's, he's definitely, he was a great addition to the team. And, and how big is the team now? Yeah, it changes now on a monthly basis for sure. We, we're now up to more than a dozen employees, contractors, and, and you know, we've got a couple more starting to next week across the organization. So we continue to add to the team at the, on the support side. We're adding continually. We're, we're adding now on, on the sales team as well. And, and of course, product development, always, always hiring there too. So about a year ago, I think a year ago this time, it was, it was Roger, me and, and two support folks. And now we're up to 12, 15 people. I'm fascinated by this. Let me ask you, go into your backstory a little bit. You, how did you get into the financial advice industry in the first place? And then maybe we could talk a little bit about how you gravitated towards technology. Are, are you a programmer? Do you know code? I am not. Roger is. So that, that was tremendously helpful and still is. Obviously, whenever you have the leader of the organization being able to also go in and, and get things done quickly, that, that's, that's a huge value to the company. But I, I'm not a programmer. I am... I, I'm a career changer into financial planning, though. My first 11 years in post-college was in corporate finance, working for larger companies. And I did a career change in my early 30s, realizing that I wanted to more directly help people. And I always had an interest, passion, hobby, call it what you will, in financial planning and investments. Those were all the books I would read in my 20s. So I decided to make it my career in my early 30s and really started over again, stopped 
climbing the corporate ladder, which is what I had been doing the first 11 years and started down at the, at the first rung again as, as a really a kind of pair planner portfolio trader for someone really running a, a, a solo practice. And he was a great mentor for the next decade. I, I went from a part-time employee of his as he was starting to think about growing his practice to his partner. And then uh, in 20, uh, oh, go ahead. I, yeah, no, let me just, uh, let me stop you there. So you had a, a full-time job on the corporate ladder finance, corporate finance, and you quit that to be a part-time paraplanner for an RIA. Yeah, even one step further, I quit that to have nothing for the first four months. I, I decided I just resigned from my that corporate position. I realized that I was making, it was time to make the career change. I was helped by the way, my, I was in my, in the dual income, no kids stage of my mm -hmm. life. So, so mm -hmm. my wife was working, we didn't have kids yet. And I decided at that time I was either going to do it then, or I was going to potentially do it in my sixties as a, you know, second career, you know, kind of retire from corporate America, but then become a financial planner in my sixties and seventies type of thing. So I decided to do it then. And yeah, I, for, so I resigned, I started taking the CFP program here locally, okay. Georgetown University had a certificate program at the time. Okay. And I started networking and trying to find a, a place to start. That's great. And uh, the firm that you were with then, uh, you stayed there for 10 years? I did. Yeah. Stayed there for 10 years, became a partner in that firm in 2014 and then helped run run the organization and grow the organization over those next few years and then just in 2018 we we parted ways i decided to start my own really small solo ria and then that was like summer of 2018 but shortly thereafter it was early 2019 when I, I knew Roger I, I had known Roger for years like i said earlier and knew he had left his practice similarly in 2018. And I knew he was working on something software related at the time. So I started uh, reaching back out to him, seeing what he was working on. And then a couple pivots later in early 2019, Plan was born. And how did you meet Roger early on? Just at a conference or... Yeah, through through peers in the industry, which I met through conferences. So mm -hmm. I was pretty active in NAFA, which mm -hmm. is sure. you're familiar with NAFA, National uh, Association of Financial Advisors. Financial yeah, advisors. so the fee only community of yep. of financial planners. So I was I, I had met lots of folks over the years, and we a few of us developed a what NAFA calls a mixed group. It's it's a study group person in, in North two two folks in North Carolina. It was the three of us for a while. And then Roger joined as that mixed group as well. And we were all similar stage of life, similar roles and responsibilities in our respective firms at the time. And we were just a, a group, a group of folks that had a lot of similarities and a lot of the same interests and the same problems to solve as we were growing ourselves and growing our practices. So that's, that's how I met Roger. That was in like 2015 or so. And we became friends ever since. Yeah. And so he tells you that he's starting to work on some tech tools for advisors. I imagine was, was tax planning something that you were specializing in or was it already a part of your practice? You know, did you, you know, you recognize the opportunity early on for some tax centric planning software? 
Yes. Yes. So tax planning was something I had always done at at the previous firm as well. So going all the way back to, you know, 2012, 2013, we really started to focus more and more on doing annual reviews of our clients' tax returns, at least the ones we could get a hold of. That was always a challenge as well, particularly early on, is just collecting the clients' tax returns so that we could review them and convincing them, you know, we can find opportunities here if we can just take a look at your your tax return. So we, we implemented that process over the years and had then, you know, as we hired advisors, trained them on on how to review a tax return for planning opportunities. And then we would use Excel. So we had like a manual checklist, first of all, to review a tax return to make sure we were looking at all the right spots to to find the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then we had an Excel spreadsheet that we had to maintain over the years that got handed down to new, new team members as we added new team members. And that that it was a, a somewhat painful process to keep that updated and, and almost to now I, I would imagine, while well, I'm not there anymore, I imagine it's almost too cumbersome to maintain with all the tax legislation changes, particularly even the big one in 2017 that occurred yeah. with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Yeah, that, it, it seems crazy to think about, you know, trying to track all that on an Excel spreadsheet for each client. Well, you certainly can't get as granular as you're able to get with software that's coded with lots of the, the IRS worksheets and calculations and having a team or a company like us that is focused on making sure all, all it's all updated on an even even when there isn't tax legislation changes, right? There's still bracket changes. There's still limits and threshold changes that some get mm-hmm. inflation bumps, some don't. Just maintaining all of that is, is difficult to do. And, but I, I don't think I was alone. In fact, I know I wasn't alone. That, that was, and, and potentially still is, believe it or not, the way lots of advisors are still doing tax calculations today. They're, they're doing them at a higher level and, and potentially missing some nuances, unfortunately. That like the one I described earlier about Medicare Irma premiums, or or yeah. maybe it's they they think all, all we need to do is fill up the, the the a certain bracket, but the tax code is funny, and and you there are other types of taxable income that can rear its ugly head when you add one type of income, it might make another type of income more taxable than it was before. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I'd say nowadays particularly it's it's kind of dicey to be using Excel spreadsheets to try to do tax calculations. Sure. I mean, just so many variables and so many different inputs and, and variables that depend on other variables and, and it, just right for algorithms, right? I mean, this was an area that's just, and this is why I guess I say it's, uh, it's, it's surprising, I guess, that, that more focus has not been placed on it. And, and maybe you guys are just the first, maybe there's others out there, you know, that take that as a challenge for advisors and make it easier and more practical and scalable. It just seems such a, an obvious idea in a way, right? In hindsight? <laughs> in hindsight, I, I, I don't disagree. I, I think sometimes innovations are like that though. It, 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 when, you, when you look back and think of some of the biggest innovations we've had in, in the world and in our country, you know, even going back hundreds of years, some of the things you know, looking back seem like, yeah, why didn't someone think of this before? <laughs> yeah. Type of thing. And then, but 
that 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 is how a lot of innovations occur. And I think it's it's partly because you know, and maybe people had thought about it before, but then they weren't willing to take that next step, which was to take the risk to take the time away from or leave a, a currently good situation, right? Running a practice happy for the most part, or, you know, before that with, with me moving from corporate finance, you know, you got to be willing to kind of take a significant risk and maybe take a step backwards to go two steps forward from time to time. And, I, I agree with you. It's not some brilliant idea, but I think it, it's a combination of having the idea and then being willing to try to make the change is, is what's Sure. Going. And executing on it is, the, is yeah. the tricky part. But it does strike me that you know, some of the, the best tools for advisors in the tech space you know, across the board come from advisors themselves, right? I mean, if I think about Sherry Rowlings with you know, rebalancing software and and you know, just some of the, the technology that comes from advisors who really understand the issues that they're dealing with. You know, I mean, it, it's like it strikes me that something like this couldn't necessarily come from outside the industry. Is that accurate? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I like. To, I certainly like to think that. At least I, I feel like there's certainly a, an advantage and a benefit for having been in the shoes, being an advisor for a decade, but prior and. and seeing the problem, living the problem, and then knowing how to solve the problem, I think that that's best done when you've, you've lived the problem and, and see it on a daily basis. So, I, I, and I, I agree with you that it certainly seems to be a trend in our industry that a lot of the software that's being developed now is at least starting with an advisor's idea and, and then growing from that. And I, mean, I think that's great for the industry because then it's going to be done well, right? Because it, it's going to—it's advisors creating software for their peers, for advisors, mm -hmm. uh, versus a you know a, a Google or an Amazon <laughs> or someone right. trying right. to come in and, and build something that they think advisors are going to love, and it turns out that advisors don't potentially love it. Right. Yes, and we see that a lot. How close do you, I mean, in terms of uh, the, the roadmap for Holistoplan, do you bump up against uh, estate planning techniques, trusts, and, and all of the, the effort that goes into those things? Those are largely tax mitigation strategies, right? I mean, you know, trusts and estate planning. Is that, do, you, do you cover that as well? So not, not deep into estate taxes right now, Part of the reason for that is with, I think it was the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, maybe it was even before that, you know, they raised the limit so yeah. high on estate true. taxes. Yeah. That Put a lot it, of estate lawyers out of business. Yeah, well, I don't know if it did that. I mean, the because you still need, you still, every client, every every citizen should have an estate plan, right? Even mm -hmm. if it's, even if you're, you're not doing it for tax purposes, having a will, maybe a trust, depending on your family situation, all very important to, to have an estate plan in place. So the, the estate attorneys, I think, are certainly safe, even if tax law doesn't change. But I, I think what's going to be interesting here is part of the Biden proposal that, that's navigating its way through Congress, I think has some significant changes to estate planning rules and estate tax planning rules at the federal level. So if those occur 
And, and now we need to focus yet again as advisors that are serving, you know, the, you know, 98, 99% of our clients fall right now under, I think, you know, I think it's an $11 million to almost $12 million federal yeah. exemption. Most of the folks we're working with fall under that. But if that comes back down to three or six, then some estate tax planning is going to be is going to be needed again. And then that's, again, it, where software can help it. That'll be beneficial. And we'd certainly dive headfirst into that if it made sense for advisors to, to build something like that. Yeah, great. That is great. Let me ask you this. Uh, you know, you've been in the industry a long time. You've seen the changes that have taken place. Looking forward, whether it's through, you know, holistic plan or, or any other area that kind of you recognize or, or see as, as ready for innovation, what, what does this industry look like in, in 10 years? What's, what's next? Where, where else do advisors need help and where else is technology going to come into play to help them? Yeah, I, I think a couple things. That's a good question. Uh, one, I think while there's a lot of debate about fee structure, some fee, folks are calling it fee compression. I don't necessarily know if there's going to be fee compression in, in the way people describe it, where as people are going to have to charge less for what they do. I think it's actually going to be more of you're going to be need to do more for the fees that you charge right. uh, potentially. So I think that might be one over the next 10 years as consumers get more and more savvy. There's there's more and more tools out there that they can find on their own along with just more and more competition. I, I think advisors are going to find that the, they, they need to spread their wings from the investment portfolio. They need to focus on being more and more of like a you know personal CFO for their clients talk about taxes, be engaged in that tax planning process. Even if it's being engaged with the CPA more, you know, that's different than what I think a lot of advisors still do today, which is say, oh, taxes, go talk to your CPA. Right. I think advisors are going to engage in that conversation more, engage in the estate planning conversation more, engage in insurance conversations more to show that value and, and show that it's, it's that the client's life and, and their financial situation is more than the investment portfolio. And we as advisors want to be engaged in, in all of that. So I think that's, that's one. And, and the way to scale that, the, the only way to scale that really, because if, if you just add on a whole bunch of services without being creative about how to do it at scale, it means you're going to hire a whole bunch of people and there's been lots of studies recently by, by very smart people that are, are, are suggest that that's that's why financial planning today isn't terribly scalable the more you grow your profits don't increase like in a lot of other industries because you just need to hire more human human capital right. that that shrinks the, those profit margins so I think where the, the industry might change as well is leveraging technology more and more to try to reach more clients per advisor relationship. And, and again, the best way to do that is with technology. Yeah, for sure. It strikes me that also as advisors, and maybe you see this advisors using your tool, it strikes me that it would be a kind of a marketing opportunity for them, right? Here's how you set yourself apart. So, you know, we, you know, that's, it's a good story to take the tax centric approach to planning. I guess I'm surprised more advisors don't lead with that in terms of their value add to clients right out of the gate. That's, that's an 
uh, interesting comment. I, I agree with that. And it's, it's interesting. We've been sharing this recently with, with some folks in webinars and, and uh, things like that. When Roger and I create, created the software and when we first rolled it out, we, we were of the mindset, you know, again, advisor mindset, this is how we can help our existing clients and do it more efficiently. And when we add a new client here or there, get them into the process and be able to help them more efficiently. But as we uh, added more and more subscribers, we did find actually that more, that advisors more and more frequently now are using uh, Holista Plan as a business development tool because they can upload. Now they've inserted, uh, let, let me get the tax return from the prospect early in the process, earlier in the process, or and maybe they weren't even doing that before, but let me get that tax return. Let me run it through Holista Plan. And now I have a client, I have a deliverable that I can share. Instead of talking kind of generally and mysteriously about what tax planning is and what financial planning is, that's one of the challenges we have as advisors is it doesn't have a clear definition. And, and without deliverables, it's hard to show and explain what exactly we mean by financial planning. But now you have a deliverable that you can show, hey, looked at your tax return. This is what we found. This, this is a summary of it. And folks are, are using that for a business development. And exactly what you said, they, as a differentiator from the advisor down the street that isn't really talking about taxes at all. Yeah, no, it strikes me as a, as a great opportunity. And, and congratulations on all the success. It's, it's, a, it's a great idea. And, and well executed and, and I think there's still a long runway to go. There's still a lot of space out there for you guys to, to conquer. So congratulations. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. Yeah. I've been speaking with Kevin Lozer. This is the uh, wealthmanagement.com advisor innovations podcast. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is sponsored by LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. LPL Financial is a separate entity from and not affiliated with wealthmanagement.com.